You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you just want to ask your mom. Welcome to season two of the Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Renee Sproles, and my co-host is with me, Bonnie Blaylock. And today, we are excited to have a special guest on the show, Becky Billadu. And I'm having a moment here because Becky was one of the kids I used to babysit, if you can imagine that, uh, years ago. And now she is... A grown up, but she's a nurse, she's a mom and a wife, and she has a really great story to tell. Uh, she has some unique perspectives on parenting a child with a serious illness, and so we are excited to get to hear her story today and hopefully share some pearls of wisdom with you all if you're going through uh, some of the same things that she has been through. So Becky, why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and um, tell us your story. Right, Bonnie, you want to give us a little background information? Yeah, so I thought it would be interesting. Um, Becky and her husband, Joey, uh, I've kind of followed their story through church, and that's where I, I know you guys from. Um, and your brothers and sisters-in-law, you got a whole clan going on over there. So, like, I know the whole clan. Anyway, um, she had a son called Noah, about nine years ago that I thought was the cutest little boy on the planet and I would watch him from the balcony and he was just so 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 cute so I kind of followed their their story and their family for a little while sweetest little family and um then about when Noah was five or six or so um Becky was pregnant again expecting their second right and um that one didn't go as planned so that's kind of what we wanted to talk about today um is their second son jacob and how his arrival and all the things that have surrounded his life have affected their family and how things have changed there so we found out we we're pregnant of course and um at our 20 week ultrasound we it was actually a little late it was our 22 we were 22 weeks along anatomy scan um they you know, it took a really long time, so we we're kind of, you know, just wondering what was going on. But they basically put us in a room and said the doctor was going to come talk to us. The ultrasound tech didn't tell us anything. And the doctor came and she said, well, everything looks great, you know, and they started naming body parts. And then she said, but let's talk about his heart. And our, of course, our hearts just sank because we knew that meant something was wrong. Right. Obviously, when we hear heart, we know, you yeah. know a little about it, but um, children's hearts are very different from everybody else's. So that was um, been a learning experience for us, for sure. And this was a doctor we had never met before. So that was also an experience. Our doctor was out for the day, you know, not in the office. So it was a little, I, I mean, I wish we would have known the person but um that was fine you know it's okay it is what it is but she just basically told us that his right ventricle which is the lower part of the heart was not there there was a wall um she thought she knew what the diagnosis was 
the ultrasound tech had told her what she thought it was, but they were going to send us upstairs to the high risk specialist because she didn't know for sure. She wasn't a cardiologist. So, so was she giving off any, okay, there's cause for alarm kind yes, of vibes? definitely. Okay. There was definitely cause for alarm. She was going to call the, call the high risk doctor that was upstairs and get him to come talk to us or we were going to try to meet with him. Um, the most, the, the most random part of this was that my mom had brought me to the appointment because I don't remember why, but she said, I'm just going to stay in the waiting room and my husband met us there. And so it was really odd, but it was, I mean, a blessing that my mom was able to come back and be with us for all of these appointments that we, that same day. Yeah. She was, um, he went out to get her and I don't remember this part very much but he said that she just looked excited and he was like no I need need you to come back here with us and she knew something was wrong so wow that is so 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 hard um so I was reading just some statistics going before this episode and uh learned that one in seven babies born in the U.S. spends time in the NICU which I was really shocked at that I thought that was a really high number yeah, for a variety of reasons, as you can imagine, um, prematurity and all kinds of things. Um, and I was just shocked about that. But that's that's jumping ahead a little bit. So then what happened? Did you actually, did they say, okay, here's what this is called? So they set us up to meet with this high-risk doctor. He gave us a very different diagnosis than what the ultrasound lady had told us. and But he said he wasn't 100% sure this is what he thought it was. He was going to refer us to Vanderbilt. But then he told us, basically, we had two weeks to decide if we wanted to terminate the pregnancy. Um, We would have to go out of state to do it because at the time there was not anywhere in um, Tennessee that we could go, but he could send us somewhere and that they could terminate. But we only had two weeks to it was two or three weeks to decide if that was what the route we wanted to go and how are you supposed to make that decision I don't know I remember getting in the car and telling my husband I'm not going to terminate the pregnant like we're going to do what we have to do but I just could not in my head I could not fathom terminating a child that was growing inside right. of me But I was devastated that somebody would say that to me. And I just remember they told us to call Vanderbilt, and I remember calling them just sobbing and saying, I need an appointment, you know, as soon as you can get us in, because we wanted to know what was wrong with him and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of the things. And so I think they got us in the same week when, when we went and had our first fetal echo, a very long process. Um, I, if you can only imagine trying to get a picture of a baby's heart that is, you know, about the size of your little finger, you know, wow. their hearts are so tiny at 24 uh, weeks. Your little finger? Yeah, I mean, they're so tiny that, so they're trying to get pictures of it. And then the cardiologist met with us and said, you know, I don't think that diagnosis that he gave you is right. We got very good pictures. And she had told us that if that diagnosis was right, she was sure that the baby wouldn't make it. Um, but that he had this hypoplastic right heart and um, she was actually that diagnosis was better than the one we had come with and um, she told us not to look anything up on the internet and then she proceeded to inform us about everything and it felt like we were sitting through a college level 
science biology yeah. class or something because it was so much information and um, even though I was a nurse I did not know anything about any of this stuff mm-hmm. and so it was a crazy journey so did you look up anything the on the internet I did not um <laughs> I don't think my, I could have helped my myself. husband wanted to look up everything and so he did I was scared because I didn't want to see other people's stories that might not have a good outcome because then that would cause me more anxiety right mm-hmm. so I did not um, look anything up on the internet initially so what his diagnosis is a big old mouthful right yeah, what can, what's the whole thing it's called hypoplastic right heart syndrome okay and what and it's chd it's a congenital heart defect okay um there are one in 100 kids are born with a congenital heart defect and there's a number of different congenital heart defects his is called a single ventricle heart defect and um this is one of the more severe um condition congenital heart defects if you will Mm-hmm. Um, congenital CHD, the, you also, they also use it interchangeably with congenital heart disease. So congenital heart defect is what's wrong with the heart. Congenital heart disease is what your, your condition as a result of the defect that you have. Right. If that makes sense. Yes. So you had, as a result of that, so now you have a diagnosis, you have a name mm-hmm. for it. You kind of mm-hmm. know what, you have a picture, you have a bunch of information that you're trying to figure out what it all means yeah and you have about 15 weeks to go maybe yes so she and i failed to mention she also told us that we only had a couple of weeks to decide if we were going to terminate the pregnancy we told her we that was off the table and um so she didn't bring it up again but she she said she was obligated to tell us that. So um, she told us that he would have to have three open heart surgeries, um, the first of which being very early. And then um, the next two were kind of, they're not set in stone at what age they happen, but she told us about it. And so the second one would be done around four months. And then the third one is kind of between the ages of three and five. Okay. For most kids, but every kid is a little different. So depends on how they grow mm-hmm. and how they're right. How they're and, feeling. And and she told us as he got bigger that other things might show up on his um on his scans and so we needed to be prepared for that. So that was you know, there was a lot of anxiety leading to every appointment because you don't know what what if they find something else? Mm-hmm. And that so that was very scary. Mm. Yes. I was reading that um, CHD is more common than all the other forms of childhood cancer combined. Yes, yes. So I'm like, why haven't I ever heard, heard of that before y'all? Yeah. And I honestly, I mean, I knew that kids were born with holes in their heart, but I never, I mean, I went through all of nursing school. I never knew a kid could live with half of a heart. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. So we've got a, um, we'll put a link definitely at the end of this episode and on our website um, for donations to yeah. mm-hmm. uh, the Brett Boyer Foundation, which is uh, founding research for this, so. Yeah, so um, in a post that you wrote um, on social media, we um, just have some notes about the things that you were reflecting on about being a parent with a child who has CHD. Um, talk to us about that. So, yeah, so um, I think that part of now that we have a child with CHD and we felt like we didn't even know anything, even being in the medical field, we didn't know anything about it before. So we kind of feel like 
you know, part of what comes with having this child is helping other people know about it because there are so many kids that are born with, and you just want to find somebody that can relate to you or give you hope Mm -hmm. or so, um, so we do, I post about it a lot. My husband doesn't get on Facebook very much, (laughs) but I do and I tag him and everything, everything (laughs) so that his friends see it too. Um, talk to me about the 15 weeks, the 16 weeks, whatever, 18 weeks, like the waiting. Um, we, we talked to Jenna King about that, Mm -hmm. you know, the waiting up to the birth, knowing, you know, knowing what's coming, knowing kind of knowing what's coming, having an idea of what's coming. How did you and Joey cope day to day? It was very difficult because I think there were, you know, we both had our own times to have mental breakdowns, I feel like. Um, And it was really, really, really hard because different people would come to us and they'd say, oh, I know so-and-so. But then you'd hear a story of that that didn't end so good. So we tried to just lean upon our community. I, at that time, didn't know anybody that had a condition like Jacob's. I tried to find, like, go on Facebook and find, like, you know, these little groups where people have followers. Mm -hmm. And I found one family, and she was really kind. And she, my son, or Jacob and her son had a very similar heart condition, and she kind of told me about it. But she, again, encouraged me not to look at other stories because then you can portray that on your child. So I just tried to live week to week um, just to get through. We had to go to the cardiologist every, we went to them every four weeks. And then on the alternating weeks, we went to my OBGYN. So we were seeing somebody every two weeks, basically. And um, it was, as I said, just a lot of anxiety in between all of those appointments. And our small group just really wrapped their arms around us and we leaned upon them. Um, we, our small group, we have been together for, um, over 10, probably 10 to 12 years, most of the couples in there. And so they just supported us. Um, I remember going and meeting with the elders wives and just having them pray for us because I didn't know, I didn't know what, what else did, what do we, what else do you do besides just lean upon these people? So I think we just tried to lean into each other. Now, granted, um, at this same time my stepdad died um Mm -hmm. very traumatically unexpectedly um so that was a lot all at once um he had was real committed to helping us through this process he was going to help us find a place to stay so we could be close to the hospital and so it was just a lot you know um all at once and so we really had to learn to lean on our community Mm -hmm. and that was the only Mm -hmm. thing that got us through i remember telling the girls in my small group that um if you remember the story in the bible where they were they were fighting and they're like he couldn't hold his hands up, yeah you know, yeah moses, moses couldn't hold his, moses, hold his hands up yeah moses couldn't hold his hands up and his people were doing it for him because mm-hmm. we didn't know what to we we didn't know what to pray we were i think we were angry that this happened to our kid and i think god can handle that you know like sure can. Yeah. so we just <laughs> yeah we just let it out and we just had to take turns being um each other's support i think and what yeah. my husband really encouraged me to go to counseling and i think that helped um especially after my stepdad died and i had a, i just felt like i had a lot to 
deal with. So yes. you were doing that while you were pregnant. I wish. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm so glad you said that, you know, you mentioned that you were angry because, um, it, it's, it's a totally natural reaction. And I think a lot of times as moms, we're like ashamed of the feelings we mm-hmm. have sometimes. Um, and, and in grief, any of us in grief, mom yeah. or not. Um, and it's so common. I mean, we read the Psalms and David, he was, right. he was angry <laughs> so many times, yeah. like yelling at God. Yeah. Why did this happen to my child? Mm-hmm. You know, And it just feels not fair, which yeah. is, I yeah, think, I think a to- totally normal feeling. Yes. Yeah. It's a broken, broken world. There's of lots course of it things is. that are not right. Well, I was just struck by um, that post I have in our notes. I was just going to kind of read through them because I, when I was reading through this post, it was just one single post, I think, that mm-hmm. you said, here's what it's like. Here's what my life is like right now. Here's the things I'm feeling. And by the end of it, I was just like, whoa, like, you just wouldn't know yeah. if you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you just wouldn't yeah. know. Yes. And it was thing after thing, and I, um, it just really moved me. So, um, so these are some of the things that Becky said in her post that it's like being a CHD parent. It's being heartbroken by many recommendations to end the pregnancy, being terrified of pediatric cardio office, of going there for fear of what more they'll say, feeling like sitting through medical school to learn about the condition, Several hours of ultrasounds at every follow-up during pregnancy, waiting for hours, meeting your son and only having seconds before he's whisked away, open heart surgery at six days old, handing him over after being told they're going to stop his heart for an unknown time, feeling like you're abandoning your healthy child to care for the sick one, six weeks later going home without the reassurance of a machine monitoring everything, medication multiple times a day, doing it all again a couple months later, having him catch up and grow and then decline and knowing another surgery is nearing being a part of that community that she was talking about learning to trust God and this one learning it's okay not to be okay and to ask for help which is so so good um so yeah just to watch you from afar I mean of course I think I knew what a load that was I kind of knew I could imagine but um, to see it in your own words and to see all of the facets of everything that you or you guys all are going through. It is a lot to carry. And I'm thinking about um, Noah because you're an adult. You and Joey mm-hmm. can process this through an adult lens and you've mm-hmm. lived some life. But Noah's just a little kid. Yeah, he was so, five. Yeah, so talk to us about, um, because there's lots of parents, lots of parents out there who have a child who's ill in some way and mm-hmm. they have other children and it takes a toll on the children as well so talk to us about noah's processing of that and reactions um, and challenges maybe and this whole time noah was at my still he was spending the night with his cousins and it was so he thought it was so fun um so i'm glad that he we you know our my siblings are we're all very very close and so this is probably the sibling that I'm closest to and the cousins that he was closest to. So he really thought it was an adventure. So I'm glad that it was that for him. Yeah, so we yeah. could really just be focused on, because even though Nashville is not that far away and I'm so thankful but that Vanderbilt's in our backyard, when you have a baby there, it it feels like an eternity yeah. away. Murfreesboro does. Right. It's not yeah. Yeah. So, so take advantage of your resources your friend group Mm -hmm. and your you had both your friend group and your Mm -hmm. family yes we absolutely Um, did we were so blessed mm -hmm. or very blessed and you could you could sleep okay at night knowing he was 
happy and safe and right good so did it ever so it sounds like he was navigating it fine early right on. so about four weeks in we had a very rocky road which is what the NICU life is like um after he had his first open heart surgery he had to go to, he could not come back to the NICU he went to the pediatric cardiac ICU um which is where he would spend the next five-ish weeks um he um so about four we were about four weeks in and my sister-in-law called us and um Noah had been up several times and Joey was really having my husband was having a really hard time when he was when they would when someone would take Noah back with them when they were separating and my sister-in-law called him and said you know Noah's really struggling he's starting to really like it's affecting him um so at that point we still had no idea how much longer we were going to be there joey said you know what i'm just going to go home and i'll just come up you know during the day sometimes which was really hard because now i'm staying at the ronald mcdonald house by myself and trying you know going back and forth which was fine i mean i can do that but it was just it was different and when joey did come up you know this was before pre-covid so if he didn't get on the interstate before 6:15, he sat in traffic and then he was trying to provide consistency for noah so he wanted to be the one to pick him up from school so he had to leave by 1 30 so a lot of some days he just didn't come because it just didn't feel like that was a lot of driving logistics of parents yeah <laughs> yeah it was just yeah, hard so then so then i was doing it by myself and i felt like i yep. just sat in that room all day because i didn't have anywhere to go i didn't have anybody to talk to so i just sat there with jacob every day day in and day out i was breastfeeding so they or pumping so they would feed me every meal of the day so i just sat in there and and ate yeah <laughs> yeah it was very different but um you know that's that was our that's your life when you're in the NICU or the or in this instance, the PCICU. Right. So. You know, I know people say, oh, you were so strong and all the things, but you just do what you do. Yeah. You I'm just do what you have back, to do. It. Like yeah. you have a choice. Looking right? back, I don't know. I feel like I don't know how we did it. But when you're in that moment, you just, you're mm-hmm. doing what you have to do moment by moment. Yeah. So. Yeah. And bless. He's a cutie pie. Yes. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's amazing. That smile. Yeah. It's too bad this is audio only. I wish you could flash his face up there. For, and for the people who are listening who don't know him, he's three now. He's three. Yeah. Yep. He has had, he, so we did our first open heart surgery and the second one was around four months. And then we have another one coming soon. And, um, okay. So when, when I, so that we're both observing you from far away. Mm-hmm. When you're you're having this diagnosis, and I remember you being pregnant, I remember you coming into class crying mm. one week and um, finding out what was going on. Um, I, I just looked up some statistics on like the stress that it is on a marriage when mm. you know when they have parents have a child that's seriously ill, and I was very encouraged actually. In an article on childrenshospital.org, clinical social worker Catherine Preston. Um, tells families when they get it when they get a bad diagnosis that that does not mean it's the end of your relationship like divorce is not looming in your distant future mm-hmm. you know or your near future uh, based on the studies of families facing childhood can- cancer and diabetes the divorce, divorce rates are no higher among a child who has a chronic illness mm-hmm. than um, the general population and so 
like uh, your friend said, who you looked up on Facebook, every family's different. Every situation mm-hmm. is different. And like, this is there's not like a fixed destiny here. Mm-hmm. And I think, as we've said again and again, the story we tell ourselves is so important. And just to tell yourself like, okay, we're gonna do what we have to do. We, we're gonna take this a week at a time, as you said, or a day at a time, mm-hmm. whatever we have to do um, to get through it. And um, she goes on to say that it, does, it doesn't mean that your adult relationships don't take a back seat, which is exactly what you're describing. Right, <laughs> you of know, course they you do. Know, when you first, when you get married and you're all like blissfully happy and you're thinking of your future, you're not thinking one day I'm gonna be sitting in Ronald McDonald house no. by myself <laughs> with my husband driving back and forth to Nashville. No, mm-hmm. I never had that thought, not once. It's not even, it's not even, mm-hmm. I mean, you just say the words like for better, for worse, in sickness and in health, all the, you know, all that you just say all the stuff and then it, then the stuff happens. Right where the vows really like the rubber meets the road. Yeah. <laughs> and I, you seemed to have juggled it very well. I'm mean, like, what you're talking about, the logistics are what they are. And you were able to um, let Noah have space with some of his other family. And Joey did a shift and he would do a shift and he would come, you know, you seem to have juggled it very well. So without throwing anyone under the bus or giving away any confidences, was it okay? It was hard. It was very hard. In that inner stage, they call the between the first open heart surgery and the second open heart surgery, the kids are very um, critical, very sensitive. And so that's called, they call it the inner inter stage. And we would, I worked night shift. I got today's. And so he would work, he was working 24s. I was working 12s. And I would work, we would switch shifts so that one of us was always home with Jacob. My mom had, would help us keep Jacob. She did not really feel the most comfortable with him overnight. So thankfully my bosses got me on days and we just switched shifts. We just alternated. We did not see each other. We did not see each other very much. And that was very difficult. Um, We did thankfully have a community that, would come watch them periodically so that we could go on a date night or hey remember me or yeah <laughs> yeah so Hello, i used to know that you. was once that was time. a really hard time uh-huh. and then in the middle of that interstage time we had a random week where we went to the doctor and they admitted us because they didn't like the way that he looked or we thought he was fine they didn't like the way his echo looked or the way his EKG looked. And so she wanted to admit him overnight to redo the echo in the morning. Joey was at work, of course. My mom was with me because I did not like to go to doctor's appointments by myself. And so that was ended up being a week-long stay where we missed our older son's birthday. Oh, yeah. man. So, it's a roller coaster. Like, you just yeah. don't know one day the next. Correct. You yes. can plan your life. And then you go in for a doctor's appointment. And yes. Things off the and I think that that doctor's appointment is part of the reason that every time we are approaching a doctor's appointment now, I get so anxious. It, the PTSD with these NICU stays and kids with congenital is is very real. Mm. Um, I the weeks leading up to I, my husband I'm sure would tell you the weeks leading up to an appointment I'm just am a different person because I'm so anxious and I'm trying to learn to deal with that but I'm just so anxious that what if what if what if 
mm-hmm. you know, especially mm-hmm. now because we know that another heart surgery is coming and it's mm-hmm. soon, but we don't know exactly when. Mm-hmm. So how do I know that one of these appointments, she's not going to be like, no, he's, he's not good. We gotta, we gotta do this now. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Can you tell me some practical things that you've done to kind of help with the anxiety? Cause that's common. Like anxiety is it's epidemic. so common mm-hmm. and um especially among moms but it is you're right bonnie it's becoming epidemic for everyone and mm-hmm. i've observed you having some good coping skills so i'm going fishing here but i yes. know you, i know you exercise yes that has been my big thing um when we were impatient for that six weeks we dealt with our anxiety and stress a little differently we went and ate a lot <laughs> <laughs> And because, I mean, the nurses were very, they encouraged us to get out because we were there every day, all day long. They encouraged us to get out. So we did go out and eat and I did not lose any of my baby weight, (laughs) probably gained some more. But um, at that, when we came back in for our second surgery, I was like, we can't do this again. So I, I got to stay, Joey didn't stay every night, but I got to stay at the Ronald McDonald house for just the time that he was in the ICU, this for the second surgery. And I told myself I wasn't gonna do that. So I started running in the mornings before I would go be with him. And I didn't wanna miss around, so I did it early in the morning. Um, and that might not have been the safest thing down 21st Avenue, but it's okay. I was, I'm okay. You I survived. to tell the story. Um, and now I've realized that I really need that. That exercise for me is what, I need and so when I'm consistently doing it I'm a different mom than I am and so when we're in the weeks leading up I I probably do more running and those kinds of things because I need I need that for myself yeah so recognize what you need Mm -hmm. and give it to yourself and yeah and Joey and I have talked a lot we've actually been we do some marriage counseling here and there and that's one of the things that we've come to the like it's really important for me and that um, he has learned to help me make that a priority for uh, for our marriage and for our kids. And so it's easier now, because it used to be I would come home from work and be like, I need to go run. And it was kind of a burden, like, oh, I gotta watch the kids right. so you can go be by yourself. But now he realizes how important it is for me and my mental well-being. Mm-hmm. And so now that we've communicated that, it's it's easier for him to just be like, oh yeah, do that, do that, go please. Yeah, because the so, alternative is the scary yeah. thing. And yeah. the happiness and health of my wife. That's, that's right. How, yeah. That's how we're viewing this. <laughs> that's so wise. Yeah. It's so good. And and um, yeah, like marriage counseling, I think sometimes, um, especially husbands, can think like that's a big SOS. Like there's a disaster looming. And marriage counseling sometimes is just simply having that third person Kind yeah. of helping you navigate yes a, a and i think it has been really good for we've actually probably maybe the last year we've been doing it together and it has been really good for us um i tend to hover over jacob because i get nervous and he didn't he didn't always realize the burden that i was carrying with jacob he it's different for dads than it is for moms and it might not be like that for every marriage but for me I really was carrying this burden of Jacob and how I you know his health I guess and so it has really helped him realize how the feelings that I'm having and that's he's helping me carry that oh that's so beautiful yeah 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 you don't have to you don't stay stuck where you are right you know where you see like okay maybe I don't need to be 
right what was it jamie langley said instead of helicopter parents hummingbird 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 parents so you kind of dash in dash out check in check out (laughs) you're still you're still there right checking in because i guess ultimately i mean really control is an illusion anyway none of us us. none of us has it for all of us no parent truly has control I mean, anybody with a two-year-old kind of knows that, right? <laughs> right. And so to force that upon yourself or think that I can fix my child or I can heal my child or I can, I don't know, forge my child into this thing that I want them to be in my, even my deepest heart desire, you know, I want Jacob to have a whole heart with all my being, but that's not up to you, right? right. I mean, it's not up to me to have the perfection of whatever my child in my head either so control is a dirty word <laughs> just throw it out the window it, yeah Ugh. it is it it's is. never good it never comes to any good it, it's yeah it's just an illusion i mean you just, what the, the difference between your situation and a lot of us is that you know it's an illusion you've you've seen it up close so much i, mm-hmm. I you just are like you're never going to be believing that lie well yeah that's right <laughs> you're never going to be believing that lie again if you ever did um so can you talk to me about, I was reading an article in the Gospel Coalition by a mom named Laura Baxter. Her story is very different than yours. Her mm-hmm. son was seemingly healthy his whole life until he was 18, where he began to display severe schizophrenic symptoms. Mm-hmm. And she watched this thriving, brilliant, musical young man just descend into this illness that was taking over his mind and she said you know she went through about five years of grief and just Mm. wrestling with god and angry at god and and all the things but um she eventually got to a place where she knew she needed to cultivate gratitude and thankfulness and not for this awful thing that's happening but like in spite of the awful thing Mm. that's happening and um, her four things that she really um, camped out on their four C's, camaraderie, compassion, communion, and contentment. And camaraderie, which is where you walk with the others who are suffering in mm-hmm. similar ways to you. Compassion, I thought this was interesting because I think this is my, has been my go-to. She said she avoided people who suffered in the past. Mm. So, you know, Bonnie knows this about me. No sad stories. Right. I don't want to read any sad stories. <laughs> There's too much real suffering in the world. Like, bad, bad, bad. And um, she, she was like, no, like part of our essential humanity is suffering. Like we're not, no one is immune to suffering as a human. And she just was taking the safe route and just avoiding that. And then she got thrown in the midst of it and couldn't, you know, couldn't escape it. And she's like, I'm, gra- I'm grateful. Right. I imagine, especially as a nurse too, you have completely different eyes as a nurse yeah. than a lot of your other fresh young nurses that are coming out of school. I mean, you've been there and done all the things that you're coaching your patients through and how that changes just just changes your vision yeah i would i would think so i mean um i was just thinking as a nurse like you like sometimes ignorance is bliss like i would not know like to be nervous maybe as quickly as you would i would not know you know to dread as much Mm -hmm. as you might know to dread um, and she also, you know, she talked about communion, like how eventually it did actually draw her to God. You know, she was like, I read the book of Job <laughs> cover to cover. You know, I was like, I was wrestling it out with God. I was, but I was drawn closer to him in the midst of that. And then, um, it, 
uh, the last thing she said I thought was so, so good. And it was, um, it flies in the face of every American notion of what makes us human. And it was contentment. And she said, I'll just read it. The meaning of my life and the meaning of my son's life does not depend on our productivity, our achievements, our Instagrammable moments. God only asks that we remain faithful in the situation where he calls us day by day. I am thankful for this hard fought lesson, although I wish I'd learned it earlier and easier. Mm. Mm. And I, I think it's um, when you're when you are dealing with um, illness, there's a grief there. You know, as an adult, there's a grief that it strips away like the life you once had as a as a mom seeing your baby. It strips away the dreams you might have might have had. Um, but that every single life is precious. Mm-hmm. Every single life. We're not we're not the sum of our achievements. We're not the sum of our can do's. We're we're like humans, beautiful humans, made in the image of God. Can you tell me like what because of Jacob, like what have you learned about what insights have you gotten into human nature, into any of these, communion with God, contentment or compassion for others? Have you have you um, had similar experiences? Well, I I will say like our community has expanded because of Jacob. Maybe um, we have met so many people along this journey, and um, it has been amazing. It's been incredible just because there are other people who have been down the road that we're on, and they're able to support us in a way that people that haven't been there can't mm-hmm. um we i think we all have a mutual friend that um her sister at the same time that i was pregnant had a baby that has basically the other half of my son's heart so if you put our baby's hearts together they would make one complete heart um, i didn't know her sister i didn't really know her that well but she and my brother oldest brother went to college together mm-hmm. and um so anyway, she, we were in the women's journey class one Wednesday night when they were talking about, I guess somebody mentioned Jacob. I'm not exactly sure what happened, but she came to me and said, Hey, my sister is having a baby that has the same thing. Wow. And, um, her sister's name is Linda and Linda and I have become very close friends. Um, and then I found another lady that lives in Ohio and her son is six maybe seven has the same condition nearly the same heart condition as jacob and these ladies for me through this process now um, linda's son is about three or four months older than jacob so they were just ahead of us so it was a little bit scary because he had some complications that jacob didn't have so i was watching these things happen which made it a little scary but um, I'm not even sure how I met this other friend that had the son that was older, but she connected with me on Facebook somehow and was just able to check in on a regular basis. And yeah, yeah, we went through that, you know, yes, this really stinks and I'm sorry. And there's nothing I can say that's going to make it better, but know that we've been there and we're, we're here now. And, um, there were a couple times where I, saw her videos of her son and it just made me cry thinking because it gave me hope Mm -hmm. which is what I needed in that moment but then too you know I think we talk about in human nature you know when you have a second child you compare there you compare them all the time and I've had to learn 
that Jacob and Noah are not the same. I think you have to learn that anytime you have a second child. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But you when you have a child that has an illness or a congenital heart defect or there are a number of different you have this expectancy of what the their life is going to be and then you find this out and it's not going to be what you expected so there's a little grieving the life that you thought that they would have sure but um there's so much joy in watching what they do you know um jacob is incredible and he, you know what? He's not the same as Noah, and he, even though he thinks right now he can do all the things that <laughs> Noah does, he's probably not going to be able to. And there was a time that I grieved that, but I'm just so excited about the things that he can do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my Noah loved to ride his bike, and he at four was riding with no training wheels, and Jacob is on the road to be right behind him. And I'm like, this is crazy, <laughs> you know, but. I also had to learn, you know, when these kids are put on bypass, they say the longer that their heart is stopped and they're on bypass, there's an increased risk of them being developmentally delayed. And Jacob has shown some delays, but not a lot. Um, But I have to, you know, in my mind, know that there's a chance that he's going to be delayed and that's okay. Mm -hmm. He's still going to, you know, his life is still um, amazing and miraculous. And whatever he can accomplish we're going to celebrate every moment of it because he's definitely a miracle and i can't even begin to tell you how much joy he brings us i can see that in all your pictures i just love i eat them up i love them the um yeah i love how well that parent that you were talking about renee in the article and um jacob too is not i I, he's not the kid with the heart condition like that's not who jacob is Mm -hmm. um so who would you say Jacob is? What, oh, does, he, man. what does he love? Who, he, who is he? He is, he's crazy. He loves uh, people in general. He loves, he, right now he loves to work in the yard. His favorite thing is to mow the grass and weed eat and leaf blow with daddy. And his favorite person is daddy by far, which, <laughs> boo. All those days at Raw McDonald's house. Isn't that how it always happens? <laughs> All these these days I slaved over this pump for you and nothing. No, he, he loves his mama too, but he, even at daycare, they'll tell you that he's the most loving, caring little boy. He, what, before we leave, he has to give everybody a hug and he's just is, he's amazing. He, um, likes karaoke. Yes. He loves to sing. He loves to sing. (laughs) He, He, talks about Mr. Sean and his microphone all the time as our worship leader at church mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) he has his own microphone at home and um he likes to lead singing like he does so it's yeah incredible he's amazing us bless what a great story it makes me think of that verse where um where God's saying, I guess, I don't remember, to the Israelites maybe? He said, um, for, the, no, for I know the plans I have for you, plans mm-hmm. to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. When when you describe him, and I think back to that appointment you described when they first told you mm-hmm. about his heart, and they said, okay, you got two weeks to terminate the pregnancy. And there's been so much pain and mm-hmm. for him and for you all. Um, but so much joy, like you would have missed out. I know. I've said so many times, I wish I could just see, had a glimpse, you know, when we were spending those days and days and days and having setback after setback in the 
PCICU, if I could just had a glimpse of where we were going, but then, you know, I wouldn't have had the faith, had to have the faith that we've grown from where we've been, you know? Um, but now I try to be that person, my friends that I talked about before, I try to be that for somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, we, have connected with a younger couple in Lebanon and their son just turned two, but they were started the journey the same way we did. And, um, somehow we connected. I, there's a community on, on Facebook of Nashville area heart parents. I was scared to get on there when they told us about it at our cardiology appointment. But like I told you, I had a lot of anxiety about seeing other people's stories because I didn't want to portray that on my child if that wasn't something that we were going to face. Mm. So I was really scared to get on there where a lot of parents are not. And so this family, um, they live in Lebanon and we connected with them. And I just tried to be that person for her that someone else was for me. And just because sometimes just somebody listening and knowing that they've been there is is so much means so much and that and then being able to see their kid doing well it mm-hmm. gives you the hope that you need to keep fighting yes. while you're spending these long days in the hospital yes we always need the hopeful stories don't mm-hmm. ever listeners don't ever tell the bad stories yeah. please <laughs> like don't please gets... don't <laughs> yeah. bad news yeah we need hope we need yeah. hope and yeah just that little that little boost up but you're right that hard slog of faith you know that was there was some, I can imagine were some dark days, very dark. lonely days. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. Um, but like so much strength and redemption mm-hmm. coming on the other side of it. And I think I don't want to speak for you, but I think you you mentioned saying going to your appointments thinking what if what if what if with with that anxiety thing. But I think hearing your story, I think that you've learned even if even if mm-hmm. is a better way to turn that because. Even if you sat at McDonald's house for days and days and days, and even if you've been through all these surgeries, what a wonderful outcome it's been and what, right. what joy he's brought, you know? So I just, I just love that. And, and I know I, I'm a word person. So, um, I was thinking about the term half-hearted and, um, usually that means to do something without enthusiasm or energy. Oh, it's a half-hearted effort, you know, but boy, for him to have a half a heart, he is the most rocket fueled yeah, kind of little is. guy I've ever seen. There's nothing about Jacob that says half-hearted. At right. All. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's a, a definitely a living, breathing miracle like that. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe him or an answer to prayers for sure. Yeah. There was a lot of people praying on his behalf and we will never be able to thank all those people enough that just supported us along the long, hard days. That was a lot, you know, um, there were so many people that stepped in and did things that we didn't realize we needed. Um, when I was working in the ICU and we got this diagnosis, it's that, okay, so I'm going to take six weeks of maternity leave, but my child might still be in the hospital. And then I know that he's going to have to have open heart surgery. I don't have enough leave. Like, how do I get all this time off? You know? Um, and, somebody asked us if they could do a fundraiser for us and they did. And then my coworker sold candy bars so that we would have just cash to, because, um, you know, eating out every single day gets Mm, expensive expensive. and that is a lot, like that's a big burden. And then 
you don't even know like when jacob was born he got approved for the state uh 10 care but all those appointments leading up to it was so much money for every single appointment and so here we are i mean we're just a middle class family (laughs) and so it was a lot and so for people to do that and then we had a family or somebody ask us if they could do come and do family pictures for us when we were out of the hospital before he had to have a second open heart surgery or before, you know while when he was doing well and it was like just little things that you don't realize we there's an organization that I am really love a lot she her she does her organization is called World of Broken Hearts it's amazing she and she has kind of had to slow down because of covid but um she comes into the hospital and takes pictures of these babies because you don't get to have newborn pictures made right. when you're in the hospital and you're hooked up to all these things and her pictures are incredible mm-hmm. um she has done several <laughs> photo shoots thing. since that um like of kids out of the hospital just to promote and tell about congenital heart disease and it is amazing she's is doing amazing things yeah and we'll post some of those on the blog because i think those are awesome yeah beautiful the she did one with us writing the words about how our feelings on them and the pictures of jacob are awesome i mean it's like museum quality mm, yeah Yeah. and she so the whole way that started was that her daughter was born with congenital heart defect she was not a photographer but she realized this need and she learned how to do it and she does incredible job some of these families their children have passed away and they have these pictures that they might Forever. they wouldn't have yeah. had you yeah. know what so. a gift. what a gift so much goodness so much goodness go be those hands be the and light. feet of jesus <laughs> yes. to somebody else that's, oh, that's right so beautiful. it's little things that you don't think about that people do that just mean so much yeah yep yeah. for sure well hashtag team jacob we're all on his side (laughs) thank Thank you you. so much for being with us today becky it's Um, been a joy to hear the hear the story um, wow you can up close and and personal yes instead of seeing it from afar well um yeah if you want to read more about this and um go check out that foundation uh, the brett boyer foundation you can Mm -hmm. find us at justaskyourmom.com and the information will be there Check us out on Facebook at Just Ask Your Mom and on Instagram at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. You can see our episodes and fun memes that Bonnie puts together for us. <laughs> and if you're listening, why don't you give us a rate and leave us a review or a comment? That'd be great. Um, we always respond. And if you have any questions or topic suggestions, just give us an email at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast at Gmail. And we'll see you next time on Just, just Ask, Ask Your, Your Mom. Mom.